to the Workforce Connections Podcast, where we discuss workforce development in Southern Nevada. Here's your host. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the WC Podcast. Today, we have our special guest, Director of Nevada's Department of Employment, Training, and Rehabilitation, Elisa Caffarada. Elisa, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. You know, uh, there are so many things for us to talk about. Yesterday, we were in a room uh, with the governor at the mm-hmm. at his uh, governor's workforce development board, and again, uh, for the I feel very optimistic about the faces that you convene in that room, the business people, us, the the you know the stakeholders in this system. I really believe there's. Um, I think we're poised to make progress like we never have in this system. But before we talk about the future, I want to talk about a little bit of where we've come from. You joined the agency in one of the most challenging times, and we're lucky to have you. Uh, I think uh, with a lot of work, we're almost all the way through the worst of it. But because of the pandemic, the UI, or Unemployment Insurance uh, Division of Dieter, it faced unprecedented challenges. So tell us a little bit about how that affected uh, the department, Dieter, and your staff. So Dieter is kind of an alphabet soup of an agency, and uh, in the employment part of our work, we have both unemployment and workforce training. And so during the pandemic, because of the measures that had to be put in place for public health, uh, we ended up having an unemployment rate of 30%, which then meant we had uh, an unprecedented number of unemployment claims. And there also was an unprecedented amount of fraud. So as you know, we're almost to the end of processing the backlog uh, and catching up from the, the number of claims that we have had to deal with. One of the sort of direct impacts was because so many people were unemployed, and we had so much work to do on the uh, unemployment side. We borrowed about 100 folks from the workforce part of our work uh, to process unemployment claims. So that that part of our work actually uh, was, I won't say put on hold because we did a lot virtually and you could do things online, but we just didn't have the resources. So we're just now getting back to a lot of the workforce uh, investment that we were doing before. So we're almost caught up. There are still some delays um, and we're trying to create some resources to help people if they do become unemployed now to get through the system quickly because there is still a little bit of backlog. Um, But we're really uh, excited about bringing all the workforce staff back and getting back into that side of the business. And we are too, because I think during that time, I hope that that we were good partners to Dieter because there was a time where, uh, you know, we were told you got to hold the fort because we're in crisis. And so uh, I like to believe that that's what happened. We deepened, I think, the trust and the partnership we had because now moving forward, as you say, as, as you're bringing your resources back to actually do workforce activities, one of the things we're happy about a lot of things, but one of the things I'm happiest about is that very shortly, uh, 26 uh, people from your staff that are funded with Wagner Pizer funds, you know, Title III, we're Title I, and this one stop system is supposed to be all of us together. And so you're helping us do that because 26 of your staff will be moving into these employee V business hubs, these American job centers that are focused on employers that's received uh, national recognition, two national awards now. And again, your staff 
with the resources that they have will be co-located in the same building with us, meaning that employers or businesses will have one less place to go. They just go to one place and, 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 and are able to access all of that. Tell us how important that is for you that this is happening and the impact it will have on the business community. I think one of the things that's really great about the employee NV business hubs that are sort of creating a, a, a focal point for business uh, is that uh, a lot of businesses were not aware of these programs at all, had no idea that we could help recruit, help uh, with job fairs, help with training uh, potential employees to get the skills that these businesses needed. So this this collaboration, which existed in some form before, but now it has sort of a visual focal point, and it's given us the opportunity to really promote this collaboration. So businesses can sort of now see, oh, there's a place that I can go, which is great. Uh, we hate being the best kept secret in the state of these resources that are available for businesses. So I think that's been um, really huge. Uh, and, uh, you know, this last week we passed a really big milestone in Nevada, which is we have more people employed now than were employed before the pandemic. So in terms of employment uh, and the number of people in jobs, we're, we're back uh, to where we were before. And a lot of people are in different jobs. But what that's done is created a situation where businesses now looking to expand and grow really need some help finding people because it's they're a little harder to find. So I think it's good for us in terms of letting people know the resources are there. And it's very important time to be helping businesses find and train uh, the workers they need. Absolutely. And I think, uh, as you said, that's the challenge ahead of us, matching this, uh, this demand for, for talent and I'm grateful that it's not only your Wagner Pricer resources that are coming, but also your vocational rehabilitation business services reps are coming as well. And so giving access to employers, again, to maybe talent pools that don't compete well in the in other markets now, uh, employers need everybody. And so whether it be people with disabilities, the reentry population, uh, the vets, all these uh, will be uh, represented in this Employee V Business Hub and accessible. These talent pools will be accessible to the employers. And and we'll put it here, um, not being the best kept secret, you're absolutely right. That's why you're here. And our, our, hopefully our listeners are listening. We'll put it on the, on our, on the uh, screen as well, www.employeeandvbusinesshub.org. Go there, find out. There's five locations now. Uh, I remember when we first met you, we went to our very first one at the Vegas Chamber. Mm -hmm. Since then, we've opened four more. So um, I think with that, uh, these these uh, hubs are not only resources for finding new employees, identifying talent, and then training them uh, for the jobs that are needed, but also incumbent worker training. That's a term that we use in our, word, in our world for employees that are already there, but they need upskilling. And one of the other things that we're really happy about is that Dieter is sending to the local boards funds for specifically that, to help employers with their existing workforce and upskilling them. Tell us about why uh, that strategy is important to Dieter. Uh, I was really excited to see, uh, sometimes I don't see these things until the contract comes across my desk or we're going to get it approved at one of the various uh, approval agencies. And I was really excited to see this one. Um, as you know, and probably the folks who listen to this podcast know, 
Most of uh, a big chunk of what we do is funded by the Federal Workforce Investment Opportunity Act dollars, or WIOA. And there are um, uh, some limits on what you can do with that money. Uh, it's really focused on getting people into the workforce. So there are limits on how much you, of it you can use to retrain folks who are in jobs but uh, need some new skills to advance in their careers and help their businesses grow. And I think writ large, what the, what the workforce in Nevada and what the, the economy looks like is that um, we know people are back in jobs. They've gone to different jobs. Really, a lot of the jobs in the state have um, grown in complexity and in technical requirements. So the, our economy is you know, maturing or getting more complex, whatever you'd like to say, and uh, really to make sure Nevadans aren't left behind and to make sure businesses can be successful, we need to reskill people who already have jobs. So what's exciting about this, this uh, partnership and this pilot project is it's specifically designed exactly for that population. Uh, and there isn't a lot of other funding in this space. So I, I am sure working together with you, it will be very successful. And then we'll, we'll be able to make the case for uh, finding additional dollars to keep it going. So I really think that's going to be one of the most important strategies we have to grow the economy of the future for our state. We do too, and we're grateful that you and Dieter are are taking an innovative approach to to try these new pilots because it's what's needed in the community. We're excited about uh, what it's going to be, and coming back one day to report those those outcomes. Uh, also, again, in these hubs, and if you're again a small business out there listening or watching us on our YouTube channel, uh, go to uh, the website uh, that we posted earlier, www.employmbbusinesshub.org, to find out about how you can tap into these new resources that Dieter is making available at these uh, centers that are focused for employers. But we've talked about how there's more things that we're excited about. Another thing that's coming down the pipeline that Dieter is uh, sending our way is uh, working with CCSD, the fifth largest school district in the nation, the Clark County School District. Um, they have what used to be called behavioral centers, but today they call them academic centers. And these schools are places where there's a real strong focus on connecting these youth uh, to careers uh, in technical fields. And so, again, Dieter is, uh, has set aside almost a quarter of a million dollars to help equip these schools and create, uh, bring equipment and create successful programs for these youth to be able to enter again. Not everybody's going to college, and so enter into these, uh, gain the skill sets for the kinds of in-demand occupations that we have available here in Southern Nevada. Sometimes people say uh, it's not high school. You have to start in middle school with exposure. You've also now learned that we uh, take our labor market information for our region and create coloring books for elementary school age. Uh, and so we believe, it, you know, um, there's never, it's never too early. What are your thoughts on how, how early should you be connecting uh, kids to this information about careers? And, um, you know, why is it important to do it? Yeah, I think that's a great observation and question. Um, I was actually doing some research on this topic for a presentation I did to the career and technical education teachers 
uh, up at Tahoe a couple weeks ago. And there were a couple of interesting things that stuck out for me in the, doing that research. One is, you know, there's some percentage of jobs for um, for the kids who are in school today. Uh, half of them will actually end up in jobs that don't exist today, right? <laughs> because yes. there didn't used to be a TikTok content creator job That's or, right. f- uh, f- you know, lithium, 3D printing, 3D printing or lithium manufacturing, like the, the jobs didn't exist. So one thing is, you know, the, the jobs of the future are complex and diverse and not in existence today. So we have to s- sort of stir the imagination and creativity of young people um, because we want them to get transferable skills. We don't know necessarily what the job might be. Um, there was a, a, a global study um, that uh, kids in the face of sort of this increasing complexity are sort of, uh, when you ask them what do they want to be when they grow up, more and more they're talking about traditional jobs, lawyer, doctor, police, fire, because that's what they know. Um, so, and it's probably a little too overwhelming to kind of think, like I want to go into lithium advanced manufacturing, <laughs> which we probably don't want them to know about in third grade. So I think um, I think it's a it's a critical conversation all the way along. Uh, one of the findings from the global study was if kids have a career conversation with a trusted adult who probably isn't their parent, who may not be exposed to this diversity of careers. Uh, if they have that conversation in middle school, they do better in school because they understand the reason I'm learning this math or science or whatever is because it relates to a career. And they're they're thinking past, you know, their next sort of educational milestone. So for sure, middle school and high school is an important place. And just the variety and complexity and um, if you can imagine doing it, you probably can create a job being it uh, is a great conversation to have all the way along. So I think it's uh, a great uh, area that we can work on together. Uh, and there's um, a lot of room for imagination and investment. I love it. I agree. Let's stay on the subject of youth. Uh, recently, uh, Dieter announced that 31 students ranging from 17 to 20 were 21 years of age, they will be completing a vocational rehabilitation summer youth internship program. Uh, tell us a little bit more about this program. Is it paid? How is it helping bridge the gap for this special population? Yeah, this this program has been around for a couple of years. Uh, we've actually altogether had 267 students go through it. It is completely paid. So the student is uh, paid for their time and the employer you know, provides the experience, but they're not uh, paying for the wages for the uh, student. One of the things that our vocational rehabilitation programs include is a lot of supports. So employers may or may not be used to working with people with disabilities. They may not know, you know, like what kinds of accommodations do I need to provide? Like, does the student need a special a computer monitor because they're hard of, you know, visually impaired or do they need a special hearing aid or 
whatever. So our team provides those supports and accommodations, not just in this program, but in others. And it really gives these students uh, meaningful, you know, work experience in a way that they can see how they can accommodate their, you know, their disability and still be successful. And they, then they've got some job experience on their resume, so to speak. So it's a really exciting uh, program. And uh, it's, it also is great because the employers get the experience of, yeah, with a little bit of accommodation, we can have a successful work experience with somebody with a disability who, as you say, might be a potential employee we didn't think about before. And so it's success on both sides of the equation, which is which is great. And uh, as businesses are looking for employers, our employees in these difficult times where uh, the you know there aren't a whole lot of folks, um, this is a population they might not have thought about before, uh, but can be very successful. I couldn't agree more. Uh, Drazen, who uh, represents vocational rehabilitation on, on the Workforce Connections Board yesterday, was here during our programs committee, and, and we talked about that. He actually, now we're going to be working with him and his team on creating some of those 60-second animated videos mm. for some outreach for him to increase his outreach, um, again, to this population. And so we're excited about that. Um, we've talked a lot, and, and, and we're glad it's a lot, about all these positive things happening between Dieter and the local boards, because I know it's not just Workforce Connections, it's also Nevada Works in the North. We're excited about the future. Uh, but like you said, we don't really know the future. And so when you, when you see how much COVID changed us and all the, you know, the effects of the pandemic, if you will, what are some of the challenges, I guess, and opportunities that you see moving forward? I think, so I was having a conversation with some business folks this morning and we were talking about the, the, um, the challenges of finding people in the workforce. And it's, it's been variously described as the great resignation, resignation, <laughs> reassignment, reset, reevaluation. Um, <laughs> but, uh, one of, one of the folks pointed out those demographic changes were already happening in Nevada before the pandemic hit. So people over 65, that population is growing 3% a year. People from 16 to 65, sort of what you traditionally would think of as your workforce is pretty much flat in mm. Nevada. So we were already headed to having a hard time finding uh, workers. So I think the opportunity there is, uh, and the challenge, is that businesses need to think about how does work get done and how can I reframe it to uh, find people who might be out of the workforce and or ambivalent about being in the workforce. So for folks over 65, they're all sort of looking at their watch going, maybe I'm retired. But I, I think a lot of them would come back into the workforce for not for a nine to five Monday to Friday job, but for sort of an interesting intellectual project, mm -hmm. two or three days a week, flexible hours. So I think businesses can think about that. Uh, one of the business folks we were talking to this morning talked about, you know, young people really are not willing to make the work-life balance sacrifices that a lot of us made. Mm -hmm. They want more balance. 
Uh, the businesses that are responsive are going to be successful finding employees and the businesses that don't want to <laughs> sort of reevaluate how, how the work gets done, I think are going to have a harder and harder time finding workers. So I, um, I think those are two of the sort of the, the challenges that we're seeing that are also clearly opportunities. Um, and so we're, we're at a really exciting time for the state in that economic growth is, is really robust uh, we do have workers here. They need some reskilling, and the the jobs need some reframing. And I think we have a lot of economic potential to keep going. I like the way you framed the opportunity. Yes, uh, uh, as a parallel to the challenge, I would add to I have, have um, we've talked about this before with some of our other guests. How, as you said, this is not just the effect of the pandemic, the labor shortage. We were going there. Uh, you've talked about the the smaller you know numbers or the flat numbers because our our birthing rates, if you will, in this nation have been in steady decline. Uh, when I came here to the United States as an immigrant in 1987, uh, they said that families or couples usually had 2.3 kids. I don't never understood how that 2.3 of a child works. I don't <laughs> know if it costs less than a whole child, but um, I had two. So I contributed to that decline, and my children, who are now 28 and 30, have had zero. Mm -hmm. And so I can see it in my own life how that it, it adds up. And then add to that, also, I mentioned I'm an immigrant. Uh, we also have less immigrants coming into the country as before. And so all of that, as you said, we were headed there uh, to this uh, perfect storm that we have now ahead of us. Um, so one thing that, I, again, um, and that's not the final thing, but it's one more thing that I'm uh, very appreciative of is when I met you uh, and we walked the Vegas chamber uh, with Irene that one day to show you our very first Employee V Business Hub, you told us that you weren't going to be um, uh, replacing your predecessor on our board. You said, I want the local person to be on your board, Linda Parvin, who's on our board, and we we love her. We appreciate her. You you very quickly showed or uh, told us with words, Irene and I, that you wanted your to empower your people to make decisions, to own. I want to tell you today that your actions followed your words. And not only that, but your people believed you because Linda, Carlene, uh, Ben, Marshall, Kara, and the rest of the WIST team, I know I'm forgetting names, but all of them, uh, Elisa, act with us empowered they um and that's uh again i think uh something that workforce connections we valued because we never have to call you know you or anybody i mean that again kara uh makes the decisions that carlene linda ben marshall and so i just wanted to thank you and your entire team because you've been uh tremendous partners uh, along the way it has been, you know, a delightful process getting to know all your team and seeing all the all the progress that's getting made um, coming out of the pandemic, doing all these new programs, getting everybody back to their original jobs. The the workforce staff is really happy <laughs> to not be answering unemployment questions. I yes. can tell you, <laughs> so that's that's been great. But you know, this is a this is a huge agency, and we have a lot of programs. And uh, I just I don't see how we could do it without empowering our folks. And because of the challenges uh, that we talked about and the opportunities, really, you need your whole team working on 
uh, these solutions and these exciting projects. So, and, and it makes them happy and it keeps them around. And uh, we, ha- we, like most state agencies, have about 25% of our positions are vacant. So if folks want to join in on the excitement yes. and come help work on this, we would love to have them. So I want to empower uh, my people as much as possible. I want to give them as much flexibility as possible. I want to give them as many exciting projects to work on as possible. So we, we'd love to have folks. Uh, we're doing workforce recruitment for ourselves because we have so many vacancies. Absolutely. So, so yes, if you want to be a part of all the exciting stuff that you've heard here, if you're a listener or a watcher on our YouTube channel, I thought I had it back because we're 8% open positions. You're 25. So I'm not going to even say go to our website. Go to the Dieter <laughs> website first and let's get the Elisa uh, fully staffed so we can do more of this amazing work Uh, uh before I say goodbye, I want to thank you again for not, not just for being here, but again for being such a great partner. And I wanted to uh, give you the the mic one more time for any of our listeners or our watchers uh, to leave with any final thoughts. We did we didn't talk about the um, sub cabinet that the governor created, uh, which is uh, a jobs and economy sub cabinet, and uh, it doesn't have a permanent sort of ongoing meeting. It's really an ad hoc group, but uh, one of the things. The governor identified as we've been moving forward with these funding streams and these new programs is we want to make sure that all the different agencies at the state, including the economic development, the education, the higher ed, that we're all working together to make these kinds of projects happen, remove barriers where they pop up between agencies and make sure we're putting supports uh, in place as needed to help people get back to work and help businesses find the folks they need. So one last. No, and tell me who the <laughs> members are of the sub cabinet. Sure. The sub cabinet is, uh, I'm representing Dieter. Uh, we have Lisa Levine from go in, which is the governor's office of workforce innovation. We have Michael Brown from the governor's office of economic development. We have Joan Ebert from the Nevada department of education, we have Dale Urquiaga, who's the acting chancellor for the Nevada System of Higher Education, and Mark Wagger from the Division of Veterans Services. That's awesome. I love, thank you for saying out the acronyms, because usually when people say NCHI, go it, go it, it you know, so thank you for uh, saying who they were with. And and by the way, uh, we have Dale scheduled for a podcast. Uh, Michael Brown has been here, so we need to get Lisa, uh, Joni, and... David in here. So if you can help me with that, we'll get okay. them to we'll, talk more we'll do it. about workforce development. Well, thank you again, Elisa, for being here today with us. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for another episode of the WC Podcast. We hope to see you in another episode. And until then, stay safe.